0: Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, once again for giving us the amazing, wonderful opportunity and privilege to gather together and, Lord, just to seek your face and to hear your voice, Lord, speak to our hearts. And we're so thankful for this series in Proverbs, Lord, and how, Lord, we need to be people of wisdom and how you have bestowed that upon us, Lord, as we ask and seek for it, that you give it to us generously. So, Father, speak to our hearts today, Lord. I, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. Everything that I say unto you, every thought that enters my mind, would be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, right on, right on. So, if you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. We're now in part 10 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Say, Wisdom That Works. Again, Proverbs chapter 9, and before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, and that was chapters 7 and 8. And In chapter 7, I gave you three points there. You might remember these points. Uh, the first one was instruction. Say that. And that's in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 7, in the wisdom and power of God's Word. What it does, it gives you and I instruction, insight to help keep us from sexual immorality. And the second point was seduction. Say that. Seduction, that's in verses 6 through 21. And Solomon, what he does, he tells a story of how he saw a guy passing along uh, the street and how this guy made a mistake of going where he would be tempted. And so he fell right into the hands of this adulterous woman. And the text says, With persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. So her seduction was successful. The third point was destruction. Say that. Destruction, and that's in verses 22 through 27 of chapter 7. And Solomon, what he does, he shows us uh, the painful price and, and the real danger that's connected with sexual immorality. And then we moved on to verse, uh, chapter 8. Chapter 8, and there I gave you two points. And the first point was wisdom's exhortation. Say that. That's the appeal, the request, the, the urging, the cry from the heart. And that's in verses 1 through 21. And wisdom is crying out. Say crying out. It's calling out to consider the way of wisdom. And it's constantly being offered. And so she cites the value of learning from her. I love that. She cites the value of learning from her. Her words are noble, they're right, they're true, righteous, and honest. And I love what verses... 10 uh, through 11, say, of chapter 8, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. Uh, Verse 11, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So wisdom yields better dividends than any uh, pursuit or investment in life. Can someone say amen? And then it says in verse 13, to fear the Lord is, I love this, to fear the Lord is to what? Hate evil, right? Hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. If you're safe, say amen. If we are going to embrace wisdom, that means we're going to reflect God's own heart, say his own heart, as it relates to any form of evil. And then verses 17 through 21, it says, those who love and pursue wisdom will find themselves, I love this, rewarded, rewarded, they will find wisdom. Uh, Wisdom promises to be found by those who, what, diligently seek her. It's promising enrichment, a life of enrichment, a rich inheritance, a a life enriched by God. And to sum up that all up, chapter 8, all up, wisdom is valid, vital, and valuable. The second point uh, uh, was wisdom's eternality. Say that, eternality. And that's in verses 22 to 31. And this is the origin. We see here the origin of wisdom, the role of wisdom in creation. And we see, friends, the many different aspects of creation and how God used wisdom to design and arrange them all. And then in verses 32 and 30 through 34, it simply says those who submit to God's wisdom are, are blessed. And then verses 35 to 36, wisdom, what it does, it warns us of the consequences of ignoring her advice and presents us with a choice, a choice. Will we live by God's wisdom that brings life and favor, or by our own wisdom that brings harm and death? That now brings us to today's text. The title of my message today is Contrasting Invitations, say that. And by the way, friends, this chapter, uh, chapter 9, is the end of the first section of the book of Proverbs. Now, remember, in the first message of this series, I mentioned that there are four sections in this book. Four sections in this book. The first uh, section is in chapters 1 through 9. The second is in chapters 10 through 24. The third section is in chapters 25 to 29. And the fourth section is in chapters 30 to 31. This first section ends the long introduction. By the way, verses 1 through 9 is just an introduction. Are you guys with me? So this first section ends the long introduction to this book. And it ends with a contrast, get this now, of wisdom and folly. When we say folly, we're we're speaking of foolishness. Are you guys with me? A contrast of wisdom and folly. Now, now to preface today's text, I want you to imagine uh, you've just received two invitations to dine at two different restaurants. And the first is from the best restaurant in town. The food is, is amazing, delicious, the atmosphere is beautiful, and the service is great. The second is from a dingy dive, almost shut down by the health inspector with the reputation of of a grumpy staff and, and terrible service. So knowing that, which invitation will you accept? Think about that, okay? And you see, in this chapter, we see the contrast between wisdom and folly, two opposing figures. One woman personifies wisdom, and the other woman personifies folly, foolishness. And both of them are making their appeal. Both of them, Lady Wisdom, say Lady Wisdom, and and Lady Folly, say Lady Folly, are extending contrasting invitations. And they're both trying to get our attention. Are you guys with me? Four points from today's text. If you're ready, say yes. Number one is the preparations. Say that. The preparations. Write that down. And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And the text says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out or set up its seven pillars. I want to stop there. Wisdom's house has how many pillars? Seven pillars. And we know that the number seven uh, in, is, is the number of, of completion. Uh, even they say it's even the number of perfection. So the seven pillars most likely symbolize or we can say represent the wholeness of and completion, and perfection of divine wisdom. Got it? It's a home where everything that you and I need, listen now, is supplied. It's well-built. It's well-furnished. It lacks no resources. There is a complete, perfect, I love this, complete, perfect education on wisdom. Got it? Say, so got it. Verse two, she has prepared her meat and mixed her wine she has also set her table. In other words, everything is ready, carefully prepared and beautifully presented. And Lady Wisdom has prepared a banquet. Someone say banquet because that's what it is. It's a banquet. And she made great effort in making preparations and provisions for this banquet. And this banquet has been prepared with the best food, the choice meat and the best wine. And she put out a big spread, not, not cheese and crackers, Okay? But meat and, and wine, so whoever comes to her banquet, I love this, will not remain hungry. They will be fully satisfied. Say satisfied. And by the way, this reminds me of the blessings of the redeemed in the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 19. So go home and read that. So here, Lady Wisdom is saying, Come in, come and dine. She's calling out to you, calling out to me, come and dine. It's a banquet. And what I love about Lady Wisdom is this. Lady Wisdom is generous, a big, huge spread for us. She's generous. Say that. And what comes to mind, thinking that she's generous, is James 1.5. Wisdom's generous, right? James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, they should ask God who gives what? Generously. Got it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So it's a banquet table as you ask for wisdom. Listen now, when you ask for wisdom, it's like, go for it. Here's the spread. Fill yourself up with wisdom. And all you gotta do is ask. And God gives it to you and I generously. And that's the picture that we have here, is wisdom spreads out a table for you and I to come and, listen, gather up wisdom. Amen? So she makes a spread for you and I. Number two is the plea. Say that. The plea. She is making a personal invitation to everyone to come to her feast. Verses three through six. She has sent out her maids slash servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city. The what? The highest what? Point of the city. Don't stop. Their wisdom servants are sent out, right, to summon anyone who will hear her invitation. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of Jesus sending his disciples out. Yeah? Look at the text. She calls from the highest point of the city. So, this invitation, as she's at the highest point of the city, this invitation is open to everyone and can easily be heard. Because she's at the highest point of the city. And we know this is a reoccurring theme, right? As she's calling out in public and to anyone who would listen. Verse 4, let all who are simple. Now that word simple means uh, the naive or gullible. Those who are inexperienced, uh, uneducated in the ways of wisdom. And so let all who are simple come in here. In other words, come to my house. Wisdom saying come to my house. I made the, I made the spread. Come to my house. She says to those who lack judgment, who lack in, in other words, lack judgment means those who lack insight and discretion, those who lack the will to think and to act rightly. So she says to those who lack judgment, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Now some Bible commentators, some scholars see this as an allegorical reference to what? Communion, right? Communion, and that's really cool. I love that. Verse six, leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding slash insight. The King James says, forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. In other words, accepting the imitation of wisdom, listen now, friends, what it means, it means that you're forsaking and that you're leaving, this now, ignorance behind. Got it? That you won't just go along with the crowd and allow yourself to be led by the foolish. You live with understanding, not stupidity, not foolishness. Now, I want you to notice that there are some in the text, some who won't listen to Lady Wisdom's plea, who won't respond to invitation, so follow me now, verses seven through nine. Whoever corrects a mocker, and by the way, we've been familiar with this word, right? Mocker could also be referenced as scoffer. But a mocker, and a scoffer, is a defiant and cynical person. And this mocker and this scoffer, they think they know everything. They're arrogant. They laugh at anything that's important. And and they never accept, listen now, they never accept any kind of correction. Are you guys with me? And they're easily offended. Hmm? It says, whoever corrects a mocker, listen to what it says, invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Say insult. Say abuse. Verse 8, do not rebuke a mocker or he will what? Hate you. You guys get that? Insult, abuse, and hate. I want to stop there. The wicked man, the mocker, the scoffer won't receive wisdom from you. You guys with me? They will often hate the one who tries to help them. Now, if you're safe, say amen. Some people, and listen now, Christians, some people will never listen to you. They refuse to follow advice. They refuse to All correction. And when you say, the Bible says, when you say to them, the Bible says, they're like, you believe that old ancient book, right? And they begin to mock you because that's what a mocker, and a scoffer does. And they will, listen, as the text says, as you try to give them advice, correction from the word of God, they will what? Mock you, abuse you, insult you, right? Abuse you and hate you. They will blast you because that's what a mocker and scoffer does. So you guys ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Don't cast pearls before swine. Got it? Don't cast pearls before swine. If anyone will not listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet and move on. You guys with me? Because there are some folks that just won't listen to you. When When it becomes apparent that your advice, that your correction, sharing God's Word is not welcome, then move on. Move on. Yeah, continue to pray for them, but move on. You see, pigs don't appreciate pearls, right? They don't. And some people don't appreciate what good advice, correction, and what God's Word can do for them. And by the way, let me say this. When, you, when you're trying to share wisdom with somebody, correction, Advice, right? And then they begin to mock you. You're being mocked and scoffed at. Listen, look at me. Hold your tongue. All right? Hold your tongue. Because the initial response is that we want to say something, right? Right? In our minds, we're probably saying God smote them right now, right? But this is the deal. This is the deal. This is the deal. Okay? Hold your tongue. Because listen, holding your tongue. Is wisdom. Wisdom says, uh-uh. Don't, re- don't, don't, don't react. Don't even respond. Just hold your tongue. Can I get an amen? Now, although there are those who will not listen and, uh, to and respond to Lady Wisdom's plea and invitation, what she does, and I love that she makes a great effort, makes great effort to reach those who will listen and those who will respond to her invitation. So let's read on. Rebuke a wise man or woman, and he or she will love you. That's awesome. A wise man, in other words, a wise woman loves a person who corrects him or her. They invite correction. They're open to correction. And they will say, thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for giving me that advice. Verse nine, instruct a wise man or woman, and he or she will be what? Wiser still. I love that. In other words, he or she will grow in wisdom. Teach a man or woman, teach a man a righteous, right? Teach a man, a righteous man, and he will what? Add to his learning, right? A righteous woman, and they will add to his or her learning. In other words, he or she will grow in understanding. He or she will add to his knowledge, her knowledge, and make the prosperity. Proper use of it. You grow. And this is the fact. This is what I'm saying here. Wisdom accumulates more wisdom. So a wise man, a wise woman invites correction, right? And they grow from that. They grow in wisdom. Warren Wesley said this, fools, scoffers, and the simple like to have their own way and be told they're doing fine. But wise men and women want the truth. I love that. Teach wise people and they will accept the truth and become wiser. Did you get that? Teach wise people and they will accept the truth and become wiser. Try to teach fools and they'll reject the truth and become even greater fools. So here's a lesson. This is a recurring lesson in this series. Here we go. Be teachable. Say that. Be teachable. And while the fools persist in their foolishness, the wise will listen when they're confronted with the truth and will adjust their lives accordingly. You see, they realize their own limitations. I love this about wise folks, right? They realize their own limitations and shortcomings, and they're not defensive and not easily offended, but rather they're humble and responsive. They have a teachable spirit. In fact, let me say this. If if you and I, if we respond to godly correction, listen now, with love and humility, that's evidence that we're walking on the path of wisdom. Right? So whenever you see someone or know someone who invites wisdom, correction, advice, instruction, that's evidence that they're on the path of wisdom. If you do that, if you invite it, that means you're on the path of wisdom. Can someone say amen? So there are two kinds of people, right, all around us, those who are unteachable and those who are teachable. Which one are you? Which one are you? The preparations, the plea number three, I love this one, is the priority. Say that. Write that down. I want you to look at verse 10 with me. The fear of the Lord. Gosh, I love this. The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is repeated from chapter 1, verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. Listen, this is the basis. This is the the source, the foundation, the priority, say priority, of all true wisdom. It's, It's the controlling principle of the book of Proverbs. In other words, here's where it all begins. It all begins here. Now remember the word fear in the text means to what? Respect. It means to revere. It means to to reverence. The two Hebrew wording of fear of the Lord is our two words, Yarat Yahweh. Say that. Yarat Yahweh. It's fear of the Lord or reverence of the Lord. But it's not, listen, it's not just mere respect or reverence. It's more than that. It's also the the realization that God is a lot bigger than us and that he does what he wants because he's who? God. He's God. It's understanding that he's God and you and I that we're not. It's acknowledging and respecting his person, his position, his power to create, to control, to discipline, and to destroy. And what it does, it includes a respect for his authority. God has all authority. It means that we believe what he says is true and that we order our lives accordingly. We honor him. It means we obey him. We acknowledge him for who he is because we know that he's the creator, right? And we are the creatures. He's the master. We're the servants. He's the father. We are the children. And I want to tell you, friends, this attitude will manifest itself in our having a respect For him and his word and a desire to do what he tells us to do in his word. That's when you and I know that we're fearing the Lord. We do what he tells us to do in his word. Stay with me here. To fear him is a wholesome and appropriate reaction to his supremacy and holiness. Fearing him is born out of a knowledge of how infinitely powerful And majestic and full of goodness, he is. Now get this. Before you and I, before we can grow in the Lord, before we can acquire wisdom, okay, we must first learn to what? Fear him. Respect him. Reverence him. Know who he is. Again, that's Solomon's point. That's Solomon's point. Is that this fear of the Lord, this respect, reverence, Acknowledgement, honoring, obedience to the Lord is the very beginning. It's the starting point, the starting point of knowledge and wisdom. It's in the recognition and honor of God and who he is. Again, this is where it all begins. We cannot move forward unless we start here. You want wisdom? Then it starts with fearing God. Are you guys with me? This is where we begin. This is where we proceed. We can't bypass this. You can't bypass this. We can't jump over it and expect to have knowledge and be wise. If you're saved, say amen. Learning principles and learning proverbs by themselves are not going to benefit us unless we also have the fear of God. So here's here's a lesson. This is another recurring lesson. Here we go. You guys ready? Here we go. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Live, listen now, live with the utmost respect and in reverence for the Lord. Live in obedience to Him. Honor Him. And if you do that, it will show in your life. Prove it. I will. Look at the next verses. Verses 11 and 12. For through me, wisdom, your days will be what? Many, and years will be added to your life. What this is saying is however long one's life is, it will be lived to the maximum, to the fullest. In other words, it will be a life worth living. Don't you want a life worth living? Yeah? A life with rich experiences of God's grace. And you see, God wants to add life to your years. Verse 12, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. There it is. If you are a mocker, you alone will what? Suffer. In other words, what, what, what Solomon's saying here as he uses Lady Wisdom is the one who chooses wisdom will reap the rewards of wisdom. And wisdom brings benefits to those who receive her. Lady Wisdom, listen now, Lady Wisdom wants to have, the, wants you and I to have, the, listen, the best life possible. Are you guys with me? But the one who rejects wisdom, as the text says, will bear the consequences. They're going to pay the price of their folly. So the woman called Lady Wisdom, what she does here now, she finishes her speech. Got it? And this is her her final speech in the book of Proverbs. But we see another woman. And that brings us to point number four, and I want to use this word, the the pleasures. Say that. The pleasures. Write that down. We saw the preparations, the plea, the priority. Now we see the, the pleasures. And here, Lady Folly is pictured as a harlot, as a prostitute, and it's the seductive invitation of Lady Folly to the naive, to the simple-minded. And what she's saying, she's saying, come and partake of my secret pleasures, the pleasures of sin. And those who accept her invitation are what? They're foolish, right? This is why she has this name, Lady Folly. Verse 13, stay with me now, stay with me, say amen. The woman of folly is what? She's loud. Now follow me here. Just just as wisdom calls out, you know how Lady Wisdom calls out? Just as Lady Wisdom calls out, so also does foolishness. She does the same thing. And and Lady Folly, she's unruly. She shouts an empty message. Let's, Let's read on. She is undisciplined. She leads and lives in undisciplined life. Then it says, and without knowledge. So this is a poetic way of saying she's beautiful and stupid. You guys with me? In chapter 8, verse 10, you guys might remember this, in chapter 8, verse 10, Lady Wisdom says that knowledge is what? It's valuable. And there it says in 8.10, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. Well, foolish, the foolish woman doesn't think so. She thinks that knowledge has no value at all. Doesn't care. She knows nothing. She lacks any depth of understanding. She doesn't care. Verses 14 through 17, she sits at the door of her house. Now listen, unlike Lady Wisdom, who's up right and about preparing the best for her guests and who sends out messengers to invite everybody who's willing to listen, Lady Folly, on the other hand, She stays seated. She's lazy. You guys with me? And she sits as she waits for her victims. Let's read on. On a seat at the highest point of the city. Sounds familiar, right? And notice that the messages of the two women both come from the highest place in the city, so everyone will hear both messages. Everybody will hear both invitations. And the one listening cannot accept both invitations. You either accept one or the other. He or she must choose Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly. Verse 15, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. So what she wants to do, she wants to tempt them away from the straight path, on the path to her house. And she wants to distract and detain anyone who will give her attention. And that's what sin does, right? Sin, what's it? sin distracts, detains, and ultimately destroys. Verse 16. Let all who are simple come in here. In other words, come to my house. She's calling them to come to her house. And she imitates the call and the invitation that Lady Wisdom makes to the simple, right? She says, let's read on, to those who lack judgment, verse 17, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. Now notice what Lady Folly does. Notice this. She offers a meal to her guests, but it doesn't belong to her. Are you guys with me? This is the idea of taking something that's not yours, right? Doing something that's wrong. And this implies sexual immorality, She's drawing the simple to fall into sexual immorality. In chapter 5, you might remember this, chapter 5, verses 15 through 18, what Solomon did, Solomon compared the joys of married life, right? Love and sex and intimacy to drinking pure water from your own cistern. Remember that? From a refreshing fountain. But the foolish woman, what she does, Lady Foley, offers stolen water. It's from somebody else's cistern, from someone else's fountain. And this is why this meal is in secret. Now, the text not only implies just sexual immorality, but all evil things. It implies sin, period. Are you guys with me? Look at the text again. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. So again, as I said, this, this is also a reference to those sins, listen now, that taste sweet. Those sins that are delicious, enjoyable. Those sins that make you and I feel good. But only for what? For a while, right? Because they don't offer real sustenance. They don't. And it leaves us totally empty right on the inside. That being said, I want to say this. Sin, sin is fun. It is. Sin is fun. Sin is enjoyable. Sin has its pleasures. Otherwise, no one would be sinning, right? But but the fun and, and the enjoyment... And the pleasures are for what? A season. But after that, that season comes to an end, and as the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. You see, Lady Folly's path has an end. It has an end. The dead are there. She promises much, but she delivers the worst life possible. Look at verse 18. But little do they know that the dead are there. Wow. That her guests are in the depths of the grave. In other words, you know what? It's all a trap. This whole life, it's all a trap. Say that. It's all a trap. Because the guests in Lady Folly's house, guess what? They're dead. They're dead. They're not alive like in Lady Wisdom's house where they're feasting and and enjoying their their time together and and drinking and eating and fellowshipping and and enjoying wisdom. No, no. Those in her house, Lady Folly, they're dead. Whoever crosses the threshold to her house are entering into a world of the dead. And I want to tell you, friends, this 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 whole worldly philosophy of living, the things that are, are worldly, the things they run after, it's all a trap. As you see the world and what they're running after, the things they desire, it's all a trap because it blinds them to their real needs, right? It blinds them to eternity needs by focusing on temporal needs. Warren we said this, she calls to the same simple ones, speaking of Lady Folly, she calls to the same simple ones and invites them to her house. But if they accept her invitation, they'll be attending a funeral, funeral, not a feast. And it will be their own funeral. You see, while the wise goes off to enjoy the feast, the fools go off to endure his or her own funeral. And this is the lot of the fool. This is it. This is the lot of the fool. Living this life to the full with sinful pleasures, but with no preparation for tomorrow. You guys with me? Listen, listen, listen. Wisdom promises a fulfilling life. Someone say amen. But folly promises an empty life. And wisdom produces everlasting life. Folly produces everlasting death. Wisdom leads to a life of satisfaction. Folly leads to a life of sorrow. To obey the call of wisdom, listen now, is to live. To obey the call of folly is to to die. So whose invitation will you accept? Think about it. Whose invitation will you accept? That of, the la- that of Lady Wisdom, who has prepared much and delivers what she promises, or that of Lady Folly, who promises much but delivers the opposite? Huh? You ready for the lesson? Here we go. Your eternal destiny is determined by your decisions. Your eternal destiny is determined by your decisions. Listen, you make your decisions, and your decisions make you. Right? Our life is full of decisions. And once you and I make decisions, those decisions make us, whether good or bad decisions. Right? Listen, when the calls of life are issued, the ultimate choice lies with you. It lies with me. We have a decision to make and Lady Wisdom is calling out, and Lady Folly is calling out, trying to get our attention, calling us to their own home, which one will we choose? Because we have a choice, right? Even Jesus, as I wrap this up, even Jesus presented life as consisting of only two choices. Two choices. Why not you write this down, Matthew 7. Verses 13 through 14, and we're going to go ahead and close with this. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. And many, say many, enter through it. Verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So which road are you going to choose? the one that leads to life, or the one that leads to death. God has given you and I the amazing gift of choice. And we either choose Him or we reject Him. The choice is up to us. Amen?